Hello and welcome to Don't Tell Me What to Do, the astrology podcast. I'm Lisa Kiss, your host, and I'm also an astrologer, teacher, and conscious business guide. This podcast is named after one of my favorite sayings and expressions to live your life. We're all here to experience life in our own unique ways. So keep listening to explore different views of living life through astrology, business, and personal development as we go through the Zodiac seasons together and with our guests. So hello and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. Today, I am joined by astrologer Laura Black. I'm very excited to have her here. We both did the um, Deborah Silverman astrology program, and I found her on Instagram, and I'm really happy I found her. Um, And yeah, I've done, last year I did a reading with her, and it was just, it's nice when like another, like connecting with another astrologer as well to just like talk about stuff. And I think we've done some like lives on Instagram as well, but I'll pass it over to Laura so she can introduce herself. Hey. So yeah, uh, Laura Black, I go by the handle The Cosmic Consultant on Instagram, and it's kind of my my business um, handle right now. Uh, I am a shadow worker. This is um, Stellium in the eighth house. I would would guess this is where this comes from, but mostly uh, Pluto on my ascendance. I'm a Gemini sun with Mars and North Node and Gemini in the eighth. Um, A Leo moon, right, exactly on my midhaven. That's fun. And then a Libra rising with Saturn and Pluto on my ascendant. And uh, combine all that. And I became uh, somebody who's moved through a lot of uh, toxic relationships and um, was blaming it on the external until finally my um, second Saturn waxing square came along, the Saturn maturation cycle. And I realized that maybe I was the source of the toxicity. And so I started to dive into my shadow work and this is what I specialize in now. So that's what I do. Awesome. Um, So yeah, do you want to, I guess, start, I'm just like, after hearing you, I'm like picturing your chart in my mind. So, okay, I'm Cancer rising. So a rising square. And then I have Saturn and Aries, which would be like opposite yours. And then... What else did you say? Pluto and Saturn on my ascendant. Um, Gemini, Sun, Moon, or Sun, Mars, and North Node in the eighth. And we both have Mercury and Taurus. Is that right? You're also a Gemini Sun with Mercury and Taurus. What house is your Sun in? The 11th? I'm 11th Sun, yeah. So I'm very, like, I'm very Aquarian. I can be very detached, but then my, like, Pisces Moon is, like, nope, (laughs) there are feelings. (laughs) (laughs) but my what I've discovered is that the house placement I feel like has a very big I feel like almost a bigger impact sometimes than the actual like like my son and Gemini but I feel like sometimes I really resonate with Aquarius and then like moon and Pisces but it's in my ninth house of Sagittarius and I feel like that really says a lot I want to like whenever I'm upset I start researching like places I want to move or run away to it's very bad (laughs) going along high can I finally cry yeah my moon is on my midhaven but it's just like a couple minutes it was shy of the 10th it's in my ninth so I'm very much that way I gotta study something or I won't feel better yeah it's funny I really yeah I agree the house placement is pretty huge and I was wondering what what degree is your rising sign oh I'm 26 degrees cancer 
my moon is at zero degrees of Leo. So it's, I very much feel half and half moon in cancer, moon in Leo on that midhaven in the ninth. And uh, yeah, I don't have any other cancer placements, but I just feel so cancer sometimes. <laughs> cancer rising, interesting. Yeah. Learning as a cancer rising made sense. And I feel like when people learn their rising sign, it can really maybe help them make sense of things. I always thought I was just a very like shy Gemini. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm a cancer rising. That's why like, I have this lens of the world as like, I never feel like fully safe unless like I really trust the person. And I never knew where that really came from, but it's so cancer, I feel like. So, yeah, especially when you consider that you're a Gemini sun in the house of Aquarius, like you would think this social creature detached, but social. But then we look at your chart ruler, which is your moon, which is in Pisces, even though it's in the ninth house. Um, how close is it to your ascendant? I mean, I'm sorry, your midhaven. My moon. Mm -hmm. My midhaven's Aries, so it's not that close. So there's a whole. Do you have um, what would? Is there an intercept in your chart then? You have your moon in the ninth house. Yeah, yeah. My ninth house is ruled by Pisces, and then tenth is um Aries at the top so like I actually I don't have an interception but when I read charts there's I find there's a lot of interceptions and even with my friends like okay my one friend is a Gemini rising when I discovered this I was like oh no wonder we're friends but her midheaven should be as a Gemini rising her midheaven should be Pisces like as her 10th house but her midheaven's in Aquarius with the like glasses ah. chart so I'm just like oh, okay so she's one of those people that has like I think her interception is Taurus and Scorpio. She doesn't have a house line that hits it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Funny. My, I have a uh, cancer and Capricorn intercepted. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, <laughs> ninth house moons. We're a yeah. club. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea where that like stream came from, but that's cool. <laughs> It's a Gemini thing. That's how we go. <laughs> yeah. Even when you said something about like the chart rulers, like even at work, I've done like I did a little like astrology Friday thing, which was really fun to like talk to everyone about their chart. I'm like, I can get everyone into astrology, but someone else is a cancer rising. And I thought that was really cool. But her moon is in Aquarius. So we're just very different. Like it's just so different because it's like I feel like the chart ruler is very um like defining of how the, like the lens of like how you see things kind of comes through. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Like I'm a Libra rising and you would think if my Venus was at all auspiciously placed, mm -hmm. that this would be a lovely life, lovely perspective out there. But now you consider that I've got Saturn and Pluto on my ascendant and it's squaring my moon on my midhaven and that's roped in with my Venus. That's just a few degrees away. And yeah. ooh, it's, <laughs> it's a difficult perspective. It's not your average Libra rising outlook. Mm -hmm. Chart rulers are the thing. <clears throat> Do you want to talk more about the Pluto on the Ascendant? Because yes. I have a few people, like someone I read their chart, they had this, and then my brother has it as well. He's a very serious person. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. It's a big one. Uh, and I still don't know if, it, if I'm more Scorpionic. People think I'm a Scorpio a lot, like the chattiest Scorpio they've ever met. They assume I have Mercury and Libra. Not at all my chart. But uh, I don't know if my Scorpionic energy comes more from my heavy stellium in the eighth, because I also have Mercury there in Taurus, um, or my Pluto on my ascendant, or what's going on. But <clears throat> Pluto on the ascendant, mine is exact. It's off by just a couple of minutes. 
and it's um <laughs> it's heavy you know i was i've been thinking a lot about pluto lately because the united states is just experiencing its very first pluto return and the it's not really something that any astrologer can grasp right now because we've only known of pluto since the 30s the 1930s so like less than 100 years of experience of exploring this lord of the underworld um so i i study scorpio a lot <laughs> being a gemini in the house of scorpio um but i feel pluto's influence uh i i don't know which one makes me more of a shadow worker or you know more willing to dive into my own like toxic patterns and try to root up <laughs> truths um pluto and saturn my first house i was born into a mormon family and very much like brainwashed into this cult and even though I left the church back in what 2003 when Pluto transited over my Neptune in Sagittarius which is at the apex of one of my yods oh my goodness um had to have a spiritual transformation but still didn't start deconstructing some of that um influence like the undue influence of a high control religious group um until this past year got into therapy and you know, really working deeply with astrology on a regular basis from a psychological perspective. I think there's a lot of ways that you can use this tool, but mine is very much geared towards psychology as has always been my fascination. And uh, Pluto on the Ascendant, I think, um, is this blessing and that it gives me the ability to to dig into myself relentlessly. I get a comment from people who get to know me um, beyond the day-to-day -day quite frequently. Do you ever just, you know, give yourself a rest and like not work on yourself or <laughs> not work on the healing path? No, <laughs> no, I don't. This is who I am, <laughs> welcome to my world. Um, and then, you know, the curse in that if I am not pouring my focus and my energy into all things ascendant related, my body, my relationships when it's in the sign of Libra, um, my own personality, knowing myself, knowing the truth of my, my shadows, my dark and the things that I'd rather leave unconscious. And that even after uprooting them, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm done now. I'd like to pretend that that's no longer there. This is just not the reality. Um, and squaring my moon, Pluto squaring my moon, and that's one of the really significant ways that I experience it. It's trining my sun, almost exact. I think it's off by less than a degree, but it's um, it's squaring my moon. Uh, and with Saturn, you know, I can't just ignore Pluto's effect. It is my it's my work. It's as I like to say, it's my my lease agreement or my my tuition for Earth School. So. Pluto is slowly becoming my friend, but I'm realizing that um, this is a vast force that no astrologer understands thoroughly. And I don't know if I ever will in this lifetime really come to, to understand, but it is my deepest fascination. Mm -hmm. um, constant death and rebirth, constantly going into denial spaces, thinking I've overcome some pattern, some behavior, some something, or that I already know only to have something you know hit me with some significant transit like i'm i'm just now finishing my pluto square transit that we all go through somewhere in our late 30s um that is i'm uh I'm waxing off of that by a degree now but the last couple of years have been my pluto square pluto and pluto is currently at 28 degrees of capricorn which is um a degree and a half off of my nadir my ic the root of my chart so i'm 
a little nervous for when Pluto hits, what is it? Um, February 23rd of 2023, when it hits uh, Aquarius for the first time, just dips its pinky toe in. I have, this is, I have the dates of Pluto and Aquarius in my phone. Funny enough, I sent them to myself because it goes like back and forth because I have, I've had Pluto, um, because I guess at one point, because I had my Saturn, because I'm, yeah, I'm 24 right now, but I had my Saturn square with Saturn and Capricorn hitting the Saturn and Aries. And then Pluto was kind of chilling around there too. And then now Pluto is, it just like, since, okay, Pluto was at, it's at 28, my descendants 26. So it ha- it had been going like touching it and then leaving, then touching it and leaving. And it's finally gone over the descendant and it feels like a relief, honestly, but it's the seventh house. So there's certain people I don't talk to anymore because of that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what else was I going to say here? Let me find these dates first. Cool. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I wasn't really up on Pluto when it hit Capricorn. I was, you know, into astrology, but I was still really in like personal planet realm back then. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm super stoked to like watch what, what happens. Yeah. Okay, on February 3rd of 2020, 2021, I texted myself, Pluto moves into Aquarius March 23rd, 2023, then January 20th, 2024, and then November 19th, 2024. And then I have <laughs> my like exact Saturn return date in there as well. <laughs> What's your exact Saturn return date? April 8th, 2027. Wow, so just after that first little dip. That's exciting. Yeah. You but predictions, Miss 11th house son of yeah. uh, Aquarius. What you I got? do. Yeah. So what will happen? So right now my progressed moon is in Aquarius. And I think you notice this too. And it's, it's kind of like my seventh house, it starts in Capricorn, but there's a lot of Aquarius in there. So um, yeah. So my moon is still like in the seventh house, like the progressed moon transiting it it's, I just keep getting weirder. That's what I say with the moon. (laughs) Like I say things and like, I was at the chiropractor's office and currently where I am like in healthcare, it's considered a health setting. So you still have to wear a face covering up until the end of April. And so I was, I was like, it's cause Saturn's in Aquarius. And I'm like in the nineties and the sixties, there were issues with this as well in like, in the off, like in the office and there are people waiting. And my mom's like, Oh, she's being so political. And the one guy waiting started laughing. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I sound so like, just, I don't, <laughs> I didn't even know where it was coming from, but I was like, we have to like be aware of these things. We have to see what's going on and we have to get political with certain things because they make everything political. And I can go off on like a tangent, but that's kind of how I feel like it's been affecting me, but then also just certain like partnerships. But then as I think when I'm 27, it'll be like that progress moon return in Pisces. And I'm excited to maybe rest at that point or like just get very like even more woo woo. And then <laughs> it'll move into Aries, the progress moon, the same time I have my Saturn return. So I'll have progress moon in the 10th, the Saturn in the 10th. So I think mine has something to do with career because oh. it's in the, my Saturn in the 10th. So, and I've always been so career driven. Yeah. And I think with the Aries influence and you being a Gemini in the 11th, I think there's something there about like your identity and really coming into your own, like knowing who you are, which to be honest, I feel in my experience, I don't know, you tell me Gemini, but like 
takes a long time for a Gemini to kind of collect information and try on hats. And am I this, my that? Am I? Yes, I do that like constantly, but I've just done my like rebrand and I've decided my business name is just my name. And then I can do whatever I want under my own name. And I feel like that's sort of the first marking of this, like my Saturn and Aries sort of like lesson, but it's cause like Aries is like you. So it's like in my, and I'm also just very like entrepreneurial. I don't want to be like, I have a day job, but I don't necessarily want to have that forever. My, my goal, I feel like with the Saturn return is to not have to work for anybody ever again. Yeah. Yeah. But for that particular Saturn placement, that's perfect. Yeah. So I feel like you have that with your, is it Mars and Virgo? Is that right for you? Yeah. I feel like you have an aesthetic, a diligence about you like a whole presentation and capacity to really be your brand. You know, that's pretty awesome. And the more I look at my Mars and Virgo placement, it's like conjunct my North node and Virgo too. So it's almost like I need to attend to the details, but then at the top, my, the top, my chart with the Midheaven and Saturn kind of being conjunct, it's telling me to like be a leader. So like lead with the details. I have no idea, really. I'm always kind of like figuring out how to like put right. those two together, but my North node's in the house of Gemini, like the third house. And my Mars is in the third house of Gemini. So sometimes I feel very like organized yet scattered because there's so many things I want to do, but I make a list of them. Mars in the third. I've heard that that's very much like, especially if it's Mars and an earth sign in the third, that um, the feedback I get from my clients most often is when I'm like, wow, are you a hard worker? And they're like, once I put my mind to it, <laughs> you know, it's got to make up my mind first and then it's all go um south node in the ninth house yeah mine is in sag so do you feel that like um have you ever read that book by jen spiller what is it astrology for the soul i haven't but it's in my like amazon like wish list to get do it do it now everyone listening do it now it's like the best astrology book of all time minimal jargon maximum benefit and info and one of the things she discusses for south node and sagittarius folk like you and i is um having and you know there's a different flavor when it's house versus sign, but I still feel like when I talk to my clients who have South Node in the ninth house, I'm like, this is the same story as me. Um, we can have know-it-all syndrome <laughs> and a little tendency to think we know where a person is going once they open their mouths and we really need to learn to listen more, even as Gemini. I mean, my sun and my Mars are conjunct my North Node. And I still get caught in these like South Node Sagittarius kind of dogmatic tendencies, easier to just like disappear and escape from people even though I'm all about connection but like also freedom <laughs> thanks my past lifetimes as a wandering sadhu kind of kind of energy yeah I have like so like my like roots like from my family are in like eastern Europe and then my mom's from like Ireland so I don't know if that's the reason I want to like really travel Europe but I also feel like my south node in the ninth just wants to go back like sometimes I say I want to go back home like where I am in Canada isn't home I need to go back home which is Europe and I don't know where that comes from but it's almost like I like it's like you like I avoid the day-to-day -day things or like what's going on in the immediate environment which is Gemini and I'm like hey no I want to like expand and go global and like leave where I am and just wander around so I try like no, I, I guess I, I, the more I discovered, I'm trying to just focus on, like, okay, what's immediately going on? What's like one thing you can kind of focus on? And like, you can still be that, like, I feel like ninth house or like Sag, South Node is even like the wise teacher. It's like, okay, you can still be the wise teacher, but like 
maybe focus in a little bit on something. Yeah, I used to really crave like being a traveling yoga teacher. And um, when my nose were reversed, when the North Node was in Sag um, over 10 years ago, I went to grad school. So that was very appropriate, but it was very much this feeling of like, I've done this before and this is not the path. And when it came time for my notes to align a couple of years back and I had been studying, like obsessed with astrology, just couldn't talk about anything else, was losing people in my life because they were so sick of hearing me talk about astrology. Hint, hint, Laura. <laughs> um, I was kind of blown away when I found Deborah's school and every, just the stars literally aligned. And it was time for me to, to go and actually become this professional astrologer, which was not a thing that I thought would be possible for them. Like, that's not a career. That's not real, you know? Um, and it was, it was kind of mind blowing this like simple mundane thing. It felt so small and it felt so I'm going to do this school from home. I guess I'll go to Hawaii and do, Oh, pandemic. Okay. I'll, I'll do this at home on my computer. That's cool. And so it felt like this too small and simple a business, but it has actually kind of brought up my South node really expanded everything and broadened my horizons and really in a small and simple way. And in doing these little like so I'm the cosmic consultant, right? Just consulting one-on-one daily. And I don't know that I ever want to get any bigger than that with astrology, just like personal consultant. I'll read your chart, really small, simple things that it makes me feel so big and expanded and alive inside. And I very much feel the nodes. Are you familiar, speaking of the nodes, with the work of uh, Alex Ransom, Coyote Star Astrology? No, but I've seen you share stuff before. <laughs> One of my favorites. She really is one of the, that's actually how I found Deborah Silverman. I've been following Alex for years and years. And um, she did a, like a YouTube chat, much like this with Deborah. I was like, who is this woman? And I know, you know, Deborah Silverman has a Gemini sun with Mercury and Taurus and she's Libra rising. And she and I, she also has her sun and Mercury in the eighth house. I was like, I just get this woman. She just speaks my language. <laughs> then I found out she had a school. Then I found out I had exactly the right amount of money for the school and the time. And was like, uh, let's do this. All right. But Alex is a brilliant kind of evolutionary based astrologer who focuses her work, not exclusively, but she does build her readings around the nodes. So if you want to know more about your nodes, check out Alex. She's pretty great. Okay. Yeah. And I remember how even Deborah would say it's like the shortcut to enlightenment even. Yeah. And I feel like the more I focus on Virgo things, I feel like more at peace in a sense, but then like, but I still have to have like, you know, I, if I see one, one, one or two, two, two on a license plate, I get really excited. And <laughs> that's like that <laughs> energy, but um, yeah, the more at peace with the, um, with the Virgo, but I also have that um, I even find that like the older I get, the more I'm even drawn to people who have the Scorpio energy. Cause I didn't know Deborah had the eighth house and then you have the Scorpio flavors. And then my grandma has so much Scorpio and even my, um, mom and brother both have Scorpio moons. Like that was passed down, but like, um, I have a Pluto opposite my son and squaring uh, and I Pluto squares my moon and then I have like the sun moon square so I have this like t-square and it releases in Virgo as well so it's wow. almost like I have to release in Virgo and go to the north node in Virgo and I can do that by taking action with my Mars so I'm just a very particular organized person but <laughs> that's fun that's funny to be that way as a Gemini what a gift so, so my Mars is in Gemini conjunct my son I have Mars combust ouch thanks dad <laughs> um it's uh 
which is a placement that more often than not I see as being like a suppression of the will from the father, which, you know, the luminaries can be an experience of either parent, but more commonly it is expressed by the experience of the father. Um, so Mars in Gemini, every Mars placement has its power. Mars, a fire planet in an air sign like Gemini can get you going so fast it makes your head spin, really. Um, power of words, power of making shit up as you go along. Sorry, can I swear on this <laughs> podcast? And this is okay. <laughs> Eighth house sun, I can't help it. <laughs> um, south known Sag, you get me? Yeah. Or um, Sag house. So Mars uh, in Gemini, though, when you are a Gemini, that's already quite a scatterbrained experience as a human, <laughs> even with Mercury and Taurus to ground you a little bit. Um, but then just Mars in Gemini, I'm always, when I see my friends with Mars in Virgo or even Capricorn or Scorpio, I'm like, next life you know <laughs> Deborah always talks about like I'm gonna order my chart in advance for my next life yeah um so where are we going with this conversation today we we're going to talk about some of the upcoming stuff happening in the astrology yeah and at the time of recording this if I can take it here real quick we are still in the month well, it's April 1st um, upon recording so we have yet to experience the big conjunction of Jupiter and Neptune which is something I'm really looking forward to on April 12th my mom's birthday um and another date I'm really excited for that will be passed by the time this is um uh, posted is April 30th um are you familiar have you looked at this at all the the Pisces portal that's opening up on April 30th it's amazing yeah, I've seen like is the conjunction with the Neptune and Jupiter. Yes, there's someone I follow. She's say, saying it's like this, like a very abundant time. It hasn't happened since like the 1850s. And yeah, so it's like, I don't know what's going to my my dreams have been nuts just with like the because when the moon was in Pisces the other day and whenever the moon has been going over Jupiter, I feel like I'm getting messages in my dreams, but it freaks me out. But then I know it's like, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to handle like the sensitivity that I have. So I'm, but um, they're really close right now though, Jupiter, Neptune, but I don't really know what is going to happen the exact day. So I've been looking into the history of 1856 and like big events that year and the Jupiter Pisces connections that I'm seeing most are well, that are kind of the light side of Pisces, because let's be real, Pisces has a very dark side. Um, this expanded access point to divinity. So one that speaks to my ancestry, um, however I may feel about it now, is that the Mormons um, picked up their hand carts and 500 hand carts started making their way on foot across the plains of the United States over to Utah. And those are my ancestors. And somewhere along the way um, into my bloodline came some native and I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about how it got there, if you know what I'm saying. So, and, and the ancestry of Mormons, they, they look like very nice people, but there's a lot of scorpionic stuff going on. A lot of Pisces, Scorpio, like you should see Joseph Smith's chart, the leader of the, the Mormon church, the creator of the Mormon church. Even looking at the light side of things, this is not a good man. So, okay. Um, so 1856 was the, the pioneer trek began. Um, but on a brighter side, we have the peace treaty between um, Nepal and Tibet in 1856. So I'm really hopeful for an expansion of compassion and peace. Um, also the Paris Treaty. So like there was a lot of kind of end of war times starting to happen. There were also a lot of dark things taking place. And it was, oh, I can't remember the details of this, but it was the beginning of the, the kind of 
I was listening to this on um, the astrology podcast, which is its own YouTube channel, fantastic source of astrology every day. They're wonderful. Um, they were talking about how in 1856, that began basically the, the foundation of our modern day pharmaceutical industry, which we know that Pisces can include altered states of consciousness, any kind of drug use. And while there's a healing quality to that, look at the state of our pharmaceutical industry today and that was its foundation so we i knew that there might be like another drug crisis or another something going on with that like um i heard one astrologer predicting like the fentanyl crisis well all that being said by the time this is posted that uh neptune conjunct jupiter will have passed and venus will have come through and the the glorious thing on april 30th which is the new moon in taurus and there will be the eclipse um conjunct uranus and the north node well eclipse is happening on the nodes um the little cluster the stellium in pisces of venus jupiter and neptune all within a few degrees of each other is not only that little stellium but it's opening up what's a, a talent triangle which i don't hear many astrologers talk about but they're amazing little portals and when i see them in people's charts i'm like talent right here let's break this down and it's it's always very prevalent and the the native didn't often think of it as a skill that they had because it does take a little effort. So a talent triangle, if you're unfamiliar, is um, one planet at the apex, much like a T-square, right? But this time we have a sextile, which is a stimulation, sort of a little boost from the universe if you apply yourself, like you have to turn on the water faucet um, to another planet on each side, and those planets trine each other. So we've got all of like really positive flow of energy, really stimulated um, support. It's like a, a boost up from the universe. And so on this day of April 30th, that new moon, first eclipse of 2022, um, solar eclipse, we're looking at this unbelievable portal of magical, artistic, abundant, loving, compassionate, healing energy um, that is not only that Pisces portal, but it's also sextiling Mercury in Gemini at zero degrees. So the messenger of the gods has just moved into its purest, most potent, potent form of that energy, opening up a channel of ideas. And that's trining Pluto, not at the anoretic, like that critical 29th degree, but still at 28. So it's not that clumsy 29th extreme degree, but it's still in this like maximum healing, minimum, um, damage kind of degree of, of Capricorn. So what I'm seeing here is so many people have been really struggling outside of this or coming out of this pandemic. Like we've seen the last degrees of Pluto going through Capricorn, the mass exodus from work. I don't want to go back to what I was doing. I don't really want to trade my energy and my efforts to build somebody else's legacy and wealth. Um, what do I want to do now? What is, what does what my self-discipline and structure look like? All these things. And I think um, this first eclipse of 2022 is going to just open up an opportunity for anybody who wants to create anything, as long as they're like willful and present. And the advice I'm giving my clients is do like get a little bit present that day, stay away from any mind altering substances that will take your vibration down in frequency, you know, like uh, do, do a little prayer, do a little flow state, do a little dance <laughs> that day, and then watch as like you're able to create from that space. Cause you know, the last time we saw Jupiter in Pisces period was in 2010 and Neptune hadn't ingressed into Pisces yet. So um, Jupiter in Pisces the last time around brought our last like golden age of television. I think when it went through its last tour of Pisces was when um, 
Avatar, the movie was released, which is the biggest box office hit like of all time at that moment. And uh, so we're going to see art. We might not see it immediately. Like by the time this conversation is posted, we might still not see the um, effects of this first eclipse of 2022, but it's huge. And I think underrated and under discussed in the astrological world. So I'm really excited to see what comes of that because after that into Gemini season, you know, the next big thing that stands out to me in the astrology this year is actually through, is it cancer season? into Leo season is the conjunction of Uranus, North Node, and Mars in Taurus. Yes, I was trying to figure out the exact day of that because I was like, wait, if Uranus is in Taurus, the North Node, it's gonna, they're going to pass. So I think it's at like 19 degrees or something. 18, July 31st and August 1st. I'm like waiting on the edge of my seat for that one. <sighs> okay, yeah, there it is, yeah. Okay. And there's even, wait, what's this planet? Okay. You said Mars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if it was just, you know, the North node and you're honest, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, wild card energy. We don't know what's going to happen. Freedom wins is kind of the, like the hope here. Um, we know we're going to see the earth getting sh- shaken up some more. Um, didn't we just have another volcano erupt the other day? Or was that? Mm. I can't can't even follow what goes on anymore it's like (laughs) yeah um but uh Mars is in the mix there yeah so and this is so at the time of recording we're sneaking up on the Mars Saturn conjunction which happens every couple of years um or every so often really I shouldn't say every couple of years but um Mars Saturn conjunction in Aquarius is I don't know if you're I'm feeling this tension I would assume everybody out there is feeling it in some regard um it's happening over my fourth house so I'm definitely there's there's an experience going on with a neighbor it's like disturbing the peace and police are involved that kind of thing like going to battle for the safety of our home and um but that shift of Mars with Uranus, which we, you know, we're, I feel like we're getting a flavor of this, this energy because Mars is hanging out with Saturn, the ancient ruler of Aquarius, while they're both in Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Uh, but next it's Mars with the ruler of Aquarius, conjunct the North Node in Taurus, really hoping that we see a shift of um, regulation for like are you what are you going through up there in Canada and I again I can't even keep up are you guys feeling a little bit more freedom lately what's happening no so right now in Canada we are truly ruled by a dictator right now our prime minister needs to not be our prime minister um everybody if they're like awake to what's going on and they're asking questions and not just sort of following blindly um they could see that like they're trying to turn Canada in my personal opinion into a more like communist country which if you know anything about Canada we're sort of like these like oh quiet nice people we take another like there's a lot of like my grandparents on my dad's side are immigrants to Canada they fled Europe because of the war and I mean like Canada's home to lots of people who have left sort of bad situations in countries and I feel like now Canada is becoming like the bad situation. And I feel like people need to flee from it. It's not great. Like I'll give an example. So like, um, they're like, technically I'm 
not allowed to leave the country or get on a train or a plane or anything because of a personal choice that I've decided to do with everything going on. So like, but like, I can't go anywhere. They've completely like locked it down. So if you don't follow their rule that they want, you can't go anywhere. It's like really bad. And I don't think a lot of people know this about what's going on in Canada, but it's not that great. Like so many people have lost their jobs from things we've been doing the, um, like we've done like freedom convoys and things like that with like the trucks. I don't know if you saw any of that, that was all happening. And they started their capacity to even like receive donations through certain platforms. Right. Yeah, They, they were like, it's, it's really bad. Like the, the government that's currently in charge, like what the prime minister did. And I, this is such a sneaky thing. I, I've looked at his chart as well. And um, he has South node, in Leo, North Node Aquarius. He's not living his North Node Aquarius, so I'll tell you right now, he's just living his like his South Node in Leo, but he's also a Capricorn and he has, um, I think North, no, not North Node. What is it? The Midheaven in Taurus. And so he's having the North Node run through his career and then the South Node in his house of family. And I don't think he's like with his wife. Nobody really knows. She doesn't really appear anymore. So I think our prime minister has like a lot of weird things going on and it's just, he seems to be very stubborn and he, he says something, he will not back down from it, but almost from a personal place, not to help this, the, all these like 37 million Canadians. So it's like not very good right now. Like I personally, me and my brother want like talk about like leaving Canada and buying property like somewhere else or like, right. yeah, but um do you have any ideas of like where do you where you'd want to land? I, yeah, we want to go somewhere like in Europe. Like we just would rather go to Europe. But a lot of people apparently, like Canadians, have moved to the states in the last year, which I think is really interesting. The housing market's totally inflated, and I think that has something to do with the Uranus and Taurus, just with like everything. But and Pluto at the final degrees of Capricorn here. Yeah. yeah. So Canada's like not good right now. Like the weirdest thing that's happened is like. And I guess this is like some people, they've just really fed into the fear because like media is funded by the government. And then if you watch the, what they're putting out, it's almost like they've been telling us what to do for two years. And then so they finally removed the mask mandate. 80% of the population that I see out in the world, like when I go to the grocery store, still choose to wear it because they're still so in fear from what the government's done. And I'm just, I walk around the stores and I'm just like, guys, it's okay. <laughs> like, but I read something with the Mars, Saturn, and Aquarius conjunction um, happened like end of March 2020, and it's happening again, like right. two years later. So I feel like something with like the whole like lockdown situations across the world, I don't know if that will tie in at all, but. hope so. You know, and I think of like, when I think of the um, Uranus North Node um, Mars situation coming at the end of July, beginning of August, I think of Canada and Australia first and foremost, and like everything they're going through there. Mm -hmm. And um, can they get some freedom and some like support for the communities and collective? It's it's rough. And I'm it's thanks for sharing. That's that's what I had heard yeah. most recently about Canada. But I just remember sometimes I go off in different directions. But what the prime minister did is he called an election last year during the pandemic. So he's telling everybody like stay at home, but vote, go out and vote. But what he did is like you're only allowed to stay in like um, eight years maximum. So like two, four year terms. 
but because he called the election the pandemic, it extended his term by two years, which is like not even supposed to be allowed. So he's, he somehow got himself his own personal gain, like two extra years in power. And I'm just like, how are people not seeing that? That I think that's honestly like kind of illegal, but he's yeah. somehow getting away with it. So that kind of just, it pisses me off, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. This is Pluto in these yeah. final degrees of Capricorn. And this is why I am waiting with bated breath to see what happens when Pluto hits Aquarius. Yeah. <clears throat> when Pluto hit Sagittarius, I was young and still quite Mormon and was like not. I was just born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's seeing Pluto in, in um, action, in ingress mm-hmm. is just it's, it's the slowest moving planet, you know, 248 years around the sun. And so we don't really see this actionable shift of Pluto often. And this is like, like, you know, we saw it toward the end of Sagittarius as like 9-11 happened in this country. And we saw the aftermath of that from 2001 to 2007, and then eight came and boom, Pluto in Capricorn. And then it's, it, it's not that it got quiet. We've been trying to move through this recession and such. And, and I think toxic um, like manipulations of powers have become kind of commonplace around the world. Um, speed, which, you know, when you're talking about your prime minister, who should not be a prime minister, I'm remembering that back in what year was it? I don't know. I saw him pre-2016 doing some like yoga pose on some board meeting table thing. And I was like, this guy, this is the dude. I wish our president was like this. <laughs> and it's it's very telling to me now, that, and perhaps this is very North Node in Gemini in the eighth house, but um, trining my Saturn in Libra conjunct Pluto on my ascendant, there has been a complete overhaul in the way that I'm seeing things. Talk about like an awakening, a rude awakening where um, pre the node's latest transit through North Node in Gemini, South Node in Sag, I really had one very specific perspective on the world. I was really hanging far left um, of things and like very into certain public figures, really in support of. And then as I think is more common now through the pandemic, there has been just a complete shift and I can... Um, I kind of have to laugh at myself when I hear about or see public figures that I used to just be all about. And I'm like, oh, that was me being, excuse the motorcycle, easily manipulated with my Pluto on my ascendant, uh, really, really falling for the show that they were putting on, really, you know, bemused by his South Node in Leo. And like, okay, Laura with Venus in Leo, calm down. He is not actually what you perceive on the outside. And that's not what he's been working toward. And the same is true for our leaders here in the States and across the globe. Um, yeah, I kind of have to laugh at the just massive shift of perspective and anybody that I used to be all about like way pre-pandemic, like pre-2016, 15, it's quite a flip these days. It's kind of kind of odd. Yeah working of Pluto I guess yeah I'm still so like I feel like I've only voted or like two times because my age like two or three times so I I feel like I'm just now forming my own like political opinions but I truthfully don't trust like anybody who's in a position of power really like earned I I have this um theory now about um because this is my query and that's going to come through like don't get stuck in the cycle and they want you to do this and like don't be like that like cog in a machine but like even I have this I question celebrities 
because what happened is like there was the was it the some award show happened this weekend I don't even follow anything yes. but Oscars Will Smith slapping Chris Rock oh yeah, yeah I mean it's, it's like <laughs> It, that's like that's very interesting that that happened and it's making a great meme but I almost feel like things like that happen they use that as a distraction so we don't really see what's going on and oh, yeah. celebrities are this like weird facade and I feel like even some of them know stuff that like I don't know I just don't trust the whole like why do celebrities even exist like people are just people so it's really the age of Aquarius question we're like what about beautiful minds and just beautiful bodies and minimal talents can we can we move on from that era yet? That was Pisces shit. Can we? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like my Pisces moon will like, I love that there's like Netflix shows. I, my Pisces moon will binge a show for sure. And people, I guess, have to create that. But like, I don't know. That's just like their job. They act. Boom. Like the whole putting on a pedestal thing. I just don't. Right. How is it different than what you or I do? How is it the, the idea of celebrity worship? like yeah. idealizing and, and putting on a pedestal of these people who are no different than us. And that's, that's a perfect example. Will Smith, somebody I've had, like, I'm not a fangirl. I'm not into like all my life. I have um, Mercury opposite um, Uranus conjunct Jupiter. So my Uranus, like my Aquarian energy is blown way up and right opposite my mind and constantly like shooting downloads. So I've been all about that. Like, why are we doing this since I was a child? except for Will Smith. I've always loved Will Smith. Um, Venus and Leo, he has a whole stellium in the fifth house. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I always really put him on a pedestal. And then when that happened and I immediately pulled out his chart, I don't even watch the Oscar. I don't care. But I was like looking up something on YouTube and I saw it and I was like, Will, what you getting up to? And so I look up his chart and I was like, oh shit. Okay. Prime example. Now on one hand, this is my very Gemini way about it. Um, I super agree with you that I think, I suspect, who knows, but I suspect that some celebrity can give you access to or can have enforced upon you some amount of awareness of like the underbelly, the backworkings, the let's call it the Illuminati kind of um, yeah. like veil uh, mm -hmm. and what's going on behind it. Who knows? I Who knows? And then on the other hand, I think maybe they're just average schlubs like us and sorry to all the schlubs out there like me um and they are actually um playing out a role like i as i was looking at will smith's chart and people were talking about how oh, it was fake you know it was totally staged it was a bit no i don't think it was i think that every once in a while the astrology kind of culminates when it when it really lands on somebody's chart and that person, especially if they're present in the public eye or an event or a, you know, a location like the United States are right now with their Pluto return. And then two days later, which Pluto return is not like a one day event, right? This is years. We've, this has been the whole pandemic. We've been feeling this, but two days after the exact peak of it, the war erupts between Ukraine and Russia. So like, okay. Um, this is how we see it playing out in the in the macro, in the collective. And I think sometimes it can collect in a person, a place, an event, and, and show us like who I, I don't at all know their names, but there was some like famous fight that was taking place during the, um, the first round of Saturn square Uranus and, you know, Saturn and Aquarius, Aquarius ruling the shins and Uranus being a ruler of Aquarius and Uranus in Taurus at the time. And this fight happened and McGregor something, I don't know their names, but he like broke his shin. I was like, Oh, Uranus bringing some 
some uh, a, a literal crack, a literal break away from to Saturn, the bones, the Aquarius, the shins. Like it, it happens. It kind of culminates and um, coalesces in a person or a place or a thing. So I, I, I looked at the charts for that event for Will Smith and. I mean, his, it shows up in all kinds of ways. So he has Saturn and Aries like you, but his is at the apex of a yod. Are you familiar with yod astrology? Yeah. So his finger of God is pointing to Saturn and Aries, much like Joe Rogan's, but Joe's is in the 11th house and um, Will's is in the 12th. So there's something there about a message of like, let your anger not be the source of your undoing. And, and tenfold beyond that, you know, Aries, knowing yourself, Pisces, the film industry, and you can unpack that all day long. Uh, but the stellium in the fifth house with all this pride is sun and Libra on the south node, um, people-pleasing tendencies, codependency, uh, conjunct Uranus, and then Pluto, and then Jupiter, all in Virgo, right at his early degree sun and south node. His Venus at the anoretic critical 29th degree of Libra with his uh, Mercury in the sixth house. Um, yeah, sixth house. But more poignantly, his moon at 21 degrees of Scorpio, while the south node was at 23, right between that and his um, Neptune at 24 degrees of Scorpio. And like, whoo, just, just this, um, yeah, all of the astrology just hitting him about as hard as it could. Yeah, interesting stuff. And then just the, I'm just flabbergasted at what a huge deal it is and how I can't escape hearing a conversation about that anywhere online. Like, really, do we not have, there's a war going on. Do we want to talk about that anymore? That's pretty funny. Yeah. I, the, the, like, I don't, I think it was on the weekend, but it's today's Friday every day. If I'm tap, tapping through scrolling, it comes up every day this week. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm not going away from it. Yeah. I mean, I made a video, but I haven't posted my video yet because part of me feels a little bit sick on getting. Okay. So I have a question for you, Lisa, mm -hmm. as an 11th house Gemini, please advise me <laughs> the ethics of astrology, being an eighth house Gemini and one who's, I am not any kind of mental health professional, you know, our teacher is, um, a, a psychotherapist of like 40 years. Um, and I admire her work so much. And I'm fascinated by and spend all of my spare time studying psychology. I have zero, um, you know, degree or right to be like giving any kind of mental health advice, but I love working with clients through a psychological lens. And one of the things that I feel called to do as a Gemini with my moon on my midhaven and Leo is to like, get out there and be seen making content that um, looks at public figures or events that are highlighted, like this thing that happened at the Oscars. I went and made a video about it and I've paused on posting it because of the prevalence of content around it. And I just feel kind of like ill, uh, like being a part of that. But also um, something I've been discussing with my therapist is like the ethics of digging into somebody's astrological chart through a psychological lens when that's very exposing and revealing when you really speak that language of like their traumas. You know, we could dig into like Will Smith's moon in Scorpio conjunct his Neptune in the sixth house and talk about his experience of his mother and what he witnessed her going through with her partner and like all of his stuff and as it's playing out in his current relationship and which he has chosen to be very outspoken about and share publicly. And yet um, the work that I want to do and a lot of the content I've created and have not put out there I'm being hindered by this idea of like, is this ethical to share people's like 
their shit is so I don't know what are your thoughts on that public figures and astrology content on them I don't know okay I have like I obviously have like two different sides of it because <laughs> the first part of me is like when you put it that way like and I'm saying like they're like a human like not just a celebrity so like they in a sense have a right to privacy I guess and like but I mean, if you Google like Will Smith natal chart, it probably comes up hundred <laughs> percent. That's how, and I mean, like, I mean, people talk, like he's talked about all the time, you know, there's probably some, someone right now, somewhere else in the world having conversation with a friend about Will Smith. And I mean, it's not like you're saying anything bad. That's where I come into it. It's, it's almost like I work in marketing during the day so it's like it's almost like a, a psychological case study and you're looking at it yeah. but the ethics part comes through like do I have Will Smith's permission to do this you could contact him and see but I don't think you get a response probably response I'll be no problem <laughs> so yeah that's where I kind of go into I mean like I was like raised by um so like my mom I like raised by her she's four planets Sagittarius Scorpio moon Libra rising and she's been a social worker for the last 40 years so like I've grown up watching someone sort of like do that kind of stuff so when I do the astrology she's obviously like she's the, the reason I'm into all the woo-woo stuff because she opened me up to it I guess sort of being very Sagittarius so I sort of I can I only really feel comfortable talking to her about the psychological view of astrology I never really bring that through I guess with the content I share just because I don't necessarily because I know that I'm in no way like certified to do that but I don't even know if people would resonate with it I like I go very businessy I feel like that's my Saturn in the tent but I use it as like for myself as a more that psychological tool and I always talk to my mom about it that way but she gets it because she of the work that she's done but if your audience is into the psych the psychology I can't even speak the psychological lens of astrology I mean I think that'd be like cool to share yeah I mean you can always share one and see what happens my toe in and check it out yeah you can always put like your disclaimer uh, or some some kind of disclaimer about it all it's true and I so I spent a lot of time you know in my private study of psychology I listen to a lot of um kind of experts in the field and one of my favorites is Dr. Kirk Honda if anybody out there listens to psychology in Seattle it's like oh I love his podcast and he is such a I try to guess people's charts do you do this like work out their charts in your mind um he has a, a bit of Scorpio somewhere I can't really figure out his placements but tons of Libra lots of compassion so we're talking big Pisces or 12th house placements somewhere in there um, or maybe a, an appropriate place, Neptune, like mine opposite the sun or in the third house. I don't know. Um, but he comes at every one of his, like he responds ever since the start of the pandemic to reality TV shows like 90 day fiance or, you know, married at first sight, things like that. Cause he's a relationship and family therapist, like specialist, and he teaches psychology and, um, uh, certifies people through Antioch university in Seattle. And he's, um, he's just brilliant. I love the way every time he approaches an episode, he is constantly giving disclaimers. Now, I don't know this for sure. I would have to ask the individual. I would need to ask questions. But here's a hypothesis that I have about what could be going on here. We don't know. And he's just, just every sentence, he's like clarifying. And I don't know this. And I want to assume the best of this person. And 
And until he's like seen a person through really a couple of years now, like Darcy and Stacy, I think is one of the shows that he watches or I don't know what it's called, but these twins and he's watched them for such a long time now that um, he really has been able to formulate a very solid set of hypotheses about what's going on with them. And you can see him starting to lose his like <laughs> his patience for them because he's starting to yeah come at it from a, a more um as if he's been working with them like clients and he's still always like i don't know i would have to ask them and it's unethical to you know we're all we're just speculating here i'm like okay take a page out of his book and maybe approach it because historically this is one of the ways that astrology has been shared and i think this this kind of actually speaks to some of this uranian the fact that you know uranus is gonna square saturn one more time and echo of like that signature of suck of 2021 that we had the high stress moments in the early part of the year mid-year and the end of the year were um saturn square uranus it was very stressful and that's coming back to haunt us one more time in november i don't know if you know the date for that but november of this oh, year oh year. Okay, Uranus Square. Um, I guess the later part of November. I don't. Is it going to be like an exact degree or sort of just like? Close? I think exact degree. Mm, I will have to look now. Well, in short, what I'm talking about here is the fact that astrology is having kind of its like return heyday right now um, with Saturn and Aquarius has brought some issues with it uh, because, you know, we're seeing like there were threats of, oh, they're going to ban the hashtag astrology or certain labels that relate to that on certain social media platforms um, and limit our capacity to put our work out there. But Jupiter all through last year was going along with Saturn. And so while that was on one hand, an expansion of the limitations on freedoms that we saw in various ways play out, it was also kind of a lucky day as it departed that conjunction with Saturn and really just brought a lot of expansion around the awareness of the tool, or the efficacy of the tool of astrology for self-awareness, empowerment, and self-actualization. But soon, and, and now Jupiter in Pisces is having a lovely little foray this year. Um, but that's a short season, you know, it's only through May and then back October to December. And soon we're going to experience Saturn ingress into Pisces, which is probably going to bring on a new level of limitations around this tool as like a, a tool of di divination, you know, and um, we might see a sort of restriction or on conversely, <laughs> Gemini style, as we must do, it, we might see kind of a, a demand to step into the rigor of the work at a new level, you know, and not a limiting or a restriction on or like a banishment of astrology. But like, if you're going to be an astrologer, you better step it up. You better like get rid of this, like too loose woo. Let's be very exacting. Let's use this as a critical tool. Let's use this more in a more professional setting. It's not an empirical tool by any means, but how can we demonstrate that this isn't, we're not just pulling shit of our ass here, you know? Um, <clears throat> so we could see it go either way, which as we always do in people's natal charts, I'm sure you've seen with like where their Saturn lies can be where they really feel limited and struggle unless and until they lean into that work and that rigor and that self-discipline. And then it can be their source of excellence and often feed into career. And especially in your case, when it's in the 10th house. Yeah. Um, 
I've seen like, cause I've sat in the tent and ever since I was a kid, I've always just been like, I'm here my soul is here to work. Let's go. And I started, like, I started doing my own stuff at 18, but then, um, one of my old friends who I do no longer speak to, he also oh. has Saturn in the tent as well. And he still has no idea what he wants to do. Like he knows he has to work, but he cannot for the life of him actually settle down and get a, a career started, a full-time job. And it's just interesting to like, see that, like he has the seriousness, but he's not taking the action on it yet. What sign is it for him in the 10th? Oh, he's, he's a Saturn in Taurus in the 10th though. So he's a slower approach, but my Saturn Aries, I'm like, let's go get working. (laughs) And you know, Saturn by itself can have that sort of impact depending on how it's aspected and the other flavors in the chart is like, is it is the person responding to the, the requirement of discipline really effectively? Or is there, is Saturn having, like it has had in my chart, um, sort of a delayed effect. Like I've been studying astrology since I was 15, but I didn't actually realize like, oh, this is my calling until after my Saturn, ma- or until my Saturn maturation cycle arrived. Um, so for him, obviously in Taurus, this slowed and delayed effect, but it'll be interesting to see like maybe when his Saturn maturation arrives, then all of a sudden like workaholic mode comes on full blast, that yeah. kind of thing. He's like, my brother has the Saturn and Taurus as well. And he took him a while. He's an account. He's a Virgo. He's midheaven in Virgo. He's numbers accountant. And um, he studied business and was like, no, 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 no. Then took an electrician program. And then he was like, no, no, I don't like this. Then he went back to accounting and finally did it. But now he has his job and he's just like work, money, investments. <laughs> and he, he sort of like really tapped into the Saturn, but he just had his like, Saturn square in February, like the first, or yeah, the Saturn square before the return. He just experienced okay, raining square, yeah, yeah. Ooh, exciting! So but, wait, in Aries, what? Sorry, what was that? I found the dates though. On there's so many numbers on the ephemeris, but it's October. The first two weeks is that Saturn square Uranus at 18. October. Degrees. Okay, I was wrong about November. October. Well, <laughs> that I have a sense that there may be some echoes of like either ripples of restriction or feelings of, I don't know, I had some stressed out feelings like, oh no, I just launched into this career and now it's going to be shut down by the world. Not really. Astrology is not going anywhere, but it's only coming more to life. Um, But yeah, that, that the rigor and the ethics of the use of will be in question for astrologers for the foreseeable future. Um, But historically, I mean, for thousands of years, this is how astrologers have gotten the information out there we've used people in the public to say do you see here do you see this happening that it doesn't rule us but do you see how this person is choosing to play out in their chart like uh yeah so I I feel called to that to like highlight those things and you know you were one of my um one of my volunteers for this I've been until this point been using just friends, acquaintances, peers, other astrologers to put out a little content and take a glance at their chart and not dig too deep like I would in a private session. And of course, you know, knowing I have no qualification to dive into actual mental health realms or therapeutic realms, but having that kind of call, maybe this will happen when my nodes reverse again and I'll go back to school for another degree, but um, very much called toward therapeutic application of astrology in my chart. So I, I, that's why I'm a consultant, right? Not a, not a therapist, but I recommend to everyone I work with, like, Hey, maybe go see a professional about this or that issue, or can't recommend it highly enough, that kind of thing. So 
Yeah, there's an astrologer in like I'm in Ontario, Canada, so she's not near me, but in Ontario, and she's been at astrology. I don't know how long, but she's I, there's an episode with her on the podcast. But I believe she went to school for like speech, like a speech language pathologist thing, and she's actually going back and she's getting like a master's in counseling because she wants to be like a counseling astrologer. And then there's somebody else I found who's in like Saskatchewan in Canada, which is a very rural area. And um, she's, I found her astrology human design account, but she's actually registered social worker. So she does include it in her practice. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, cause sometimes I say stuff to my therapist and she's just like, she has no idea what I'm talking about, (laughs) but I'm like, (laughs) so, but I do think that it's like, cause I even tell my mom about it because I feel like she she would ask me, she's like, oh, Lisa, my, my, my client is in Aries. What does that mean? And I would like just, so it's, uh, it's cool. And I think there's a cool blend for it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So far I've had two clients that are, um, that were doctors that I've been like, yo, you could, your chart kind of screams medical astrologer, which is something like I dream of, I can do it. You have to be a doctor first. And two of them have become medical astrologers since then. And then my own therapist, I've, uh, she was very like, she's a Capricorn, no, you know, nose up at astrology. And I've, um, shown her my chart. Like I, I've, I found this therapist through a friend who's a therapist and, and went shopping for them. I was like, I need somebody who will let me ramble on about astrology and show them my chart and has history with like, you know, cult upbringing, that kind of thing. So she chose me and I show her my chart and she's, she's slowly like, Whoa, this is kind of, and I'm planting the seed. I want her to become an astrologer and use it in her practice. I just think that's the direction that it's going that pretty soon therapy and astrology will be kind of blended. (sighs) Okay. Yeah. I think it lets you like dive deeper into things. Like it, you can only hit maybe a certain point until you like see something there. I don't even know if it is like a little Piscean to like tap into like, well, this is what your soul is doing or something. If you look at the lens there, I don't know, but yeah. I'm curious about that with you. I know with Mercury and Taurus, is it in your 11th as well? Or is that? My Mercury and Taurus is like right in my 10th house, like right before the end of it. So, um, and it sextiles, it sextiles my moon in Pisces. Oh, Okay. Because I really feel that my sun opposite Neptune, but my Mercury in Taurus holds me to when I get into conversations of like, oh, in past lifetimes, you did this or your soul may have experienced. I'm like, okay, show me where I can measure that and and really prove that. All right. But the Neptunian part of me is like, yes, it's really real. (laughs) I love the past life stuff. Like, I think I've had, there's this book. I don't, I gave it to my mom. She told her she needed to read it, but it, the old soul's guidebook. I tell everybody to read it. And I think I'm on soul level nine and there's like 10 soul levels. And I just feel so old because I'm only like 24. But if you hear me talk most of the time, I don't sound my age. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm on soul level number nine. And then I joke with my mom that like, I'm like, mom, you haven't hit soul level nine yet. I'm like, you're at like soul level six or seven. She said that too in the book. So I'm like, because sometimes it's like role reverse with us. And I'm just like, it's just because I'm older. I'm like, don't worry about it. And I feel like you can't have that conversation with everybody. They think you're like a little out there with your thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who said it. Did Deborah say that? No, I don't know who said this. They're like, 
every but there's so many souls on earth like so many humans right now it's like every soul has been reincarnated so it's like almost like if you knew someone in the past life they're probably somewhere on earth and you'll like connect with them in some way I don't know that that sounds like an echo of a book that I just read many lives many masters you hear that book okay pretty sweet a lot of like near-death experiences and crossing over remembering past lifetime experiences and reconnecting with old you know companions from past lives and it's all stuff I find fascinating yeah Pisces moon sextile your mercury that's helpful I find a lot of conflict between that practical um, side of me and that kind of woo-woo side of me how nice to have a little stimulation between the two that's sweet yeah I have like Neptune and Capricorn as well so it's in my <laughs> Neptune Capricorn those in my seventh house right it's a little this little difficult placement <laughs> but uh, I remember that from when I was looking at your chart that's right but it's like, I, I like to look at it as like, I dream of the success because I feel like it you know, hits with that Capricorn, but then it's also just ideals with people. Like I always am, see the best of people and my brother comes in with that Scorpio moon. He's like, don't trust anybody. They're not. <laughs> so I'm like, he's like, he's like, no, he's like, they're actually, he's like, he's like, everybody is a little bad. He's like, you can't fully trust everyone. And I'm like, but you should see the nice side. And then you sometimes you know, get burned by people. And then you're like, yeah, no. So that is Neptune in the seventh. Oh, idealizing connections, but Pluto has come through to root that nonsense out of you. (laughs) It, uh, yes, it it has. Yeah. I like see things a lot more like clearer now. And I'm just like, I look around at certain situations and I'm just like, um, anything with Pluto, I feel like it's very transformative. So I look at pictures of myself from like two years ago and I'm just like, who were you? I'm like, I don't even know that person anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. That regenerative kind of experience. I know it's scary at first because he is the great destroyer. Ooh, I read this passage from Chani Nicholas, which is wonderful, um, for Venus retrograde because that this past Venus retrograde that happened in Capricorn, which was that over your seventh house too? Oh yeah. Ooh. Um, you know, that was marked at the very first day of it, what, December 20th with Scorpio. Um, I was actually in like a sacred plant ceremony that week and that was so intense and deep, Ooh. uh, rocked the foundations of everything, you know? Um, and then she took her retrograde and Chani Nicholas produced this piece of writing where she went into the tale of, um, of Persephone and Lord Pluto and that whole like foray into the underworld and, how we have to die to go into the underworld and hang our corpse on a meat hook to rot away the flesh that is not associated with our real true authentic self and only that which is the truth can be reborn and come back that which is um, raw and vulnerable and willing to be transparent to its core which is terrifying and it's everything I seek and it's also everything as a Gemini that I'm like scared to death of um yeah Pluto Ah, I'm going to be exploring Pluto's meaning the rest of my life. But if you have a chance, go check out Chani Nicholas um, and her writings on this past Venus retrograde, because I'm just in tears the whole time reading through that work. It's very Plutonic, beautiful. It's like the devastating beauty. Venus retrograde. I'm, I was really happy. What is Venus in right now? It's in Aquarius. I feel yeah. like it just needs to move away from these like Saturn ruled things. <laughs> She's just escaped her besiegement from the two malefics. That was hideous and heinous. Oh, and where's that happening in your chart? Where is your Aquarius again? It would be. Well, Aquarius starts my like 
it's in the seventh, but it, it's April's my eighth. So I mean, oh what God. I found just being cancerizing with the cycles, I'm very into like the cyclical living. So I find that Aries season with the top of the chart up until Libra season. So it's like, oh gosh, you know, it's, it's so it's like the 10th, 11th, 12th, one, the first, second, third house. Mm-hmm. I like thrive in those seasons. I'm like out there. I love it. And then right when like Libra season sort of hits up until Pisces, I'm like, nobody talked to me. I'm not out there. And it's helped me honestly with my offerings. Like I'm not in the mood to do readings and stuff like, because there's like the energy has shifted for me in a way. And, but I feel like it's going to be different with everyone's chart just because like, like Aquarius eighth house season for me is like, Oh, I just don't, it's, it's much like more of that deep dive. Right. But for everyone, unless you're cancer rising, it'll be like a different deep dive season. I feel like it's really helpful to like, know when that's like, you're don't talk to me. I'm busy studying something about myself in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is funny. So my birthday's in June and I have all of my Gemini stellium in the eighth house and my favorite season really in the Pacific Northwest is um, Taurus season these days. So it's, it's, there's such a beautiful breathtaking spring up here. It's so Taurian and I hike every day and it's, oh, it's great. Except that it drops me into my eighth house at the end of that season. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult, it's like we're coming into summer and it's my birthday, solar return vibes and the Easter eggs left by the universe, but everybody leave me alone. I've got to dive into my shadows for a while. It's But business gets booming for me, you know, all of a sudden that like consultant thing comes on and people are like, like uh, Deborah Silverman, I have a magnet in my belly button and people just like come straight here. It's funny. Yeah, like Gemini is technically my 12th house. And so I've always like, obviously I've loved to celebrate my birthday. I mean, as an astrologer, like, you know, and yeah. it's so weird like my like there's a little bit of Gemini in my 11th house because I have like my son and Venus but then near the end of Gemini season I'm just like it's it's just like no energy even though I'm like it goes from excited to like quiet and then once cancer season hits into Leo season I'm just like look at me but I learned I guess oh, this would have to be like another episode of you talking about like progressions but mm-hmm. I looked at my whole progress chart and like I'm a progress Leo rising. I don't know how I feel about that, but it makes a lot of sense in a way because I just put myself out there things I just don't care. And like, I just, here's my face on Instagram. Look at what I'm doing. And I just sort of detach from it. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's like opposing my progress moon Aquarius. It's very interesting to have this energy. I'm not used to it at all because I, yeah. In your progress chart, is your son still in the 11th house? Oh, no, no. I don't know. It's in, it's the first degree of cancer. And I've looked at like my progression at one point and there's a yod in my progression pointing to the sun and cancer at one degree. It might be in the 12th. I think it's in the 12th, but I'm going to have a stell- I have Venus and cancer, the sun, and then Mercury is about to go in there. I'm going to have a stellium of cancer in the 12th house for a lot of my life. So I've gone, I think I was this crazy wild kid a little bit like lots of energy more extroverted and as an adult I'm like nope <laughs> bringing it in rising up to that cancer rising then <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna be this extra sensitive like 20 30 year old I don't know how I feel about it but have you okay 11th house sun question have you always felt like an old I mean I think I heard you say this already today or maybe in a previous conversation always felt like an old person like born old Pisces moon vibes as well yeah, like my, I think the word, I think when I was five, my mom said that the teacher called me precocious. So 
I, I like I was thinking I feel like I was always trying to like outsmart people or I just sort of looked at oh, them yeah. and tried to I don't know but yeah that was one of my dearest friends Gemini in the 11th house that's so how she is <laughs> very much like I already know I'm the smartest one in the room and I get she got bullied a lot for being the smart one in a culture where that was not valued anyway interesting stuff yeah astrology best tool ever for understanding the self pretty great okay we went over the hour but that's i hope this is that's like okay for you <laughs> okay so thank you so much for doing this with me um you already said you're the cosmic consultant but is there anything else you want to tell people where they can find you what you can help them with and i'll link everything for you in the notes well, thank you. Yeah. So I, um, I have a website, thecosmiccosultant.com. Um, my bookings are available through there. My bookings are currently open. Um, I am on Instagram, the underscore cosmic underscore consultant and be, be advised there are scammers out there. I think we've shut all my scammers down for now, but wow, are they hitting astrologers so hard all over those platforms? Yeah. Um, you can yeah message me through Instagram or via my website. Um, and I'm available for bookings. What I help with mostly is helping unpack um, influence of the parental figures or caretakers in your childhood and any toxic patterns that are present in you. So in a very Gemini way, I like to say I, I shine the loving light of my Venus in Leo on your whole chart and just adore and appreciate every part of you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we pick apart your shadows to try and lovingly embrace and integrate them rather than reject or deny them. That's my best work. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'd love to hear from you on Instagram or by leaving a rating or review. It would also mean the world to me if you subscribe to this podcast, if you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to support the podcast and continue to discover the don't tell me what to do vibration, there are three different ways. You can keep listening to these podcast episodes that I put out weekly. You can also purchase the subscription version of the podcast, which is new, for exclusive episodes. Or you can purchase my book, which has the exact same name as this podcast. So with so much love and gratitude, see you very, very soon in the next episode.